0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Diabetes Pro Tip Series from the Juice Box Podcast. These episodes have been remastered for better sound quality by Rob at Wrong Way Recording. When you need it done right, you choose Wrong Way, wrongwayrecording.com. Initially imagined by me as a 10-part series, the Diabetes Pro Tip Series has grown to 26 episodes. These episodes now exist in your audio player between episode 1000 and episode 1025. They are also available online at DiabetesProTip.com and JuiceBoxPodcast.com. This series features myself and Jennifer Smith. Jenny is a CDE and a Type 1 for over 35 years. This series was my attempt to bring together the management ideas found within the podcast in a way that would make it digestible and revisitable. It has been so incredibly popular that these 26 episodes are responsible for well over a half of a million downloads within the Juicebox podcast. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by Ascensia Diabetes Makers of the Contour Next Gen blood glucose meter, and they have an amazing offer for you. Right now, at my link only, contournext.com forward slash juice free meter, you can get an absolutely free Contour Next Gen starter kit. That's contournext.com forward slash juice box free meter. While supplies last, U.S. residents only. The remastered diabetes pro tip series from the Juice Box podcast is sponsored by. Touched by Type 1. See all of the good work they're doing for people living with type 1 diabetes at touchedbytype1.org and on their Instagram and Facebook pages. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, GVOC Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagoncom forward slash juice box. Hey, everybody, this is Jenny from Integrated Diabetes Services. I understand a lot of you have been contacting Jenny privately, which I think is a fantastic idea for any and all of you who are interested. Jenny, of course, has been doing the Diabetes Pro Tip series with me. This was supposed to be the last episode, but I think um, unless Jenny has changed her mind, we are going to continue to add to this series throughout the year. Yes. Excellent. Jenny, I'm very excited about that. And today's topic is, um, so you guys don't really understand how all of this happened. I wrote down what I thought were the tenets of the podcast, and I sent them to Jenny. And she put them in a different order and made changes to them. And she's like, I think this is how that, this will work. And I was like, that's great. And then we were supposed to, oh, well, you know what I was thinking, Jenny, is we were supposed to record um, basically a, like a menstruation episode. But I, think right. it, but I think it fits really well into your idea for today, which is variable. So I think we're going to combine the two of them, if that makes sense to you. Agreed. Excellent. Okay. Why don't you tell people what made you reach to me and and suggest this?
1: Just the word variable brings in the whole topic of discussion, right? I mean, we're taught from the get-go there are three... Main factors that really, you know, you get educated about is impact on your overall blood sugar control. We've got, and I kind of call them like the triangle of of management of what you're told about to look for effect. Exercise, the medicine you take and type one, of course, insulin, sometimes though, with the changes in some of the medicine now for type one use could be other medicines. And then, you know, the third one is food. So you've got exercise, medicine and food. And, you know, if you contain all of those, you're going to have diabetes success, right. right? If you just learn about all those little pieces, and there are only three, so you're going to do awesome. Yeah. Well, that's like baloney. <laughs> 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 there, I th- there's so many more factors to consider, so many more variables or like icebergs, right, that can kind of come through the course of your day. Um, I mean, some of them you can sort of head off. You may know that they're coming if you know to look for them and that they could have impact on blood sugar. Um, I mean, on the short list that I kind of came up with just to talk about today, because I know we don't have like four hours to discuss everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I came up with like 10 or 12, um, you know, variables that I could really think affect most people um and that you really should consider um so you know i'm sure that you probably have some variables that you know just with what you've seen with your own daughters management right
0: absolutely and and to kind of tag on to what you were saying i found myself this past saturday at the dancing for diabetes touched by type 1 event standing in front of people telling them that insulin timing is the seed of the tree that is your management. And as long as, you know, we can always go back to that as as the base is the root, right? Um, But then eventually, you know, that seed grows a trunk and the trunk grows branches and the branches grow leaves. And all of these different parts of the tree can affect your blood sugar and will sometimes, but you can't get caught in a problem and staring at the leaf on the 77th branch and wondering what is that leaf doing to me right now, right. even though it is doing something to you. So it's right. good. I like to look back afterwards and say what happened there and try to figure it out. But mm-hmm. in the moment, as we say here on the podcast in the moment, it just means you need, you know, you need to change, to adjust. adjust, right? Maybe that means more insulin. Maybe it means less. Um, the idea that basal insulin is insulin too. And we always forget about it. Everyone wants to set their basal and then think about bolus, which just doesn't work. You know, you have to think about the timing of all of the insulin. And when one of these bazillions of variables comes into play, some of them being more constant in your life than others, they have requirements and they require of you to, to resist, right? Like you can't just, you can't walk through a day when you're premenstrual maybe the same way you walk through a day when you're not. Um, right. And so go ahead, give me your first one. What's your first good one off your list?
1: So my first good one actually takes into account the three that I mentioned, right? Exercise, medicine, and food. Each of those seems like a simple, like, one-topic blurb word, right? It's if I figure out the medicine, but you brought in a good factor. It's the dosing, the timing, the consideration of the medication itself. And again, with more medications being added to the list of potential use, especially with type 1. Right. You bring in more variable there. And so with the dosing and the timing, it takes evaluation so that that variable can be, I guess, better known for you. Mm -hmm. Again, you know, we all have your diabetes may vary, right? We all have our N of one life with our insulin that we use and we learn how to dose it, learn how to time it. So that's, you know, one. And then the other two, exercise has a lot of variables to it. You know, you get the blanket statement from a doctor who says, oh, just take your pump off or just, you know, do a zero basal if you're going to go and exercise. The world of exercise is not that simple with diabetes. But if anything, there are a million variables within just the topic of exercise. If you consider, you know, slow movement, like when I take my dog out for a 20 minute walk and he stops and he pees and sniffs everything, my blood sugar could drop 50 points from just a dog sniffing walk. <laughs> it's like,
0: you know. The sniffing walk, not to be confused with the brisk walk. <laughs> with
1: the brisk walk, exactly. So, I mean, you know, things like that are all, you know, going to like a Disney World um, to walk around all day. Mm-hmm. That slow, consistent movement, you wouldn't count as exercise. It's not like going to the gym and huffing and puffing and sweating to death. Right. But, it's a variable that in my experience, I've found I need to reduce my basal about 20% for the full extent of the time that I expect to be at like a Disney park or someplace similar.
0: Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. We always say that. And then we never sort of, not, not you and I, just people in general. We always say like, you know, exercise can bring my blood sugar down. In, in, in I don't want to go too deep into it, but why? My, my question is, when my body starts moving, what does it yeah. do that makes my blood sugar fall? Is it using the insulin more effectively? Is it speeding up the, like, that's what I want to understand real quick. Those of you looking for a diabetes organization to support should check out Dancing for Diabetes. That's it. No big sell. I just think you should. Dancingfordiabetes.com. That's dancing, the number four, diabetes.com. I was at their event a couple of weekends ago. I heard Elizabeth talk about how she started the organization. Her words just made me so proud to be there and to be supporting what she was doing. And I think you would feel the same. Just check them out. Dancingfordiabetes.com. That's dancing, the number four, diabetes.com. Yeah, so the
1: exercise piece. If you consider, I I like to refer to it, exercise is like free insulin, really. Um, Some types of exercise, again, you know, the low, slow to moderate, intense exercise. You're really looking at those muscle cells. Um, Doors on them have, you know, little um, locks, right? For the most part, we used to use insulin to unlock the door to get the glucose to enter. When we exercise, the body is sensitized to insulin and those doors open freely, Because your body wants to incorporate the glucose into the cells to get used and to energize the body to keep performing. So if you've got, and this comes into the first, you know, topic of medication and the timing, when you're looking at exercise, the timing of insulin is very, very important. Mm -hmm. And the dose and what you're coming into that active phase with on board, that's just, it's huge. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so if you're looking at going into a five mile slow tempo run with five units of insulin on board from the bolus that you just took, think again. Yeah. Not
0: <laughs> you know, I,
1: strategizing. I just,
0: I just spoke to um, an adult woman this weekend who still plays soccer. And she said, you know, the advice she got from her doctor was to take her pump off. And she's like, but then my blood sugar goes sky high and I can't play. And I don't want to do that. And I didn't have much time to talk to her, but what I said was, I said in a very basic way that everything I say on the podcast works for activity. You have to wrap your brain around it. But in the end, if you're using the right amount of insulin at the right time and taking into account that this exercise is going to happen, that's it. And it's simple to say, well, you just turn your basal back an hour before and during or something like that. And that may be the answer in there, but there's an answer in there. And and that is- right you have insulin needs. During the soccer game, you have less insulin needs. So don't give yourself the dog sniffing insulin when you're playing soccer. Right? right? Exactly.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. And then, you know, so then we, you know, take into consideration the adjustment for exercise. Mm -hmm. But there is also exercise on the opposite side that may require more insulin. Yes. Because of adrenaline. Yes. Things like, you know, those who lift or do a lot of resistance training or do HIIT workouts, you know, the high intensity interval training where you've got a little cardio, but these really like short bursts of intense exercise. And some of my first, I guess, personal informative about intense burst exercise for my blood sugar control was when i was starting to train for my first half ironman and my training routine had some of the running as sprint hill sprint mm-hmm where I'd literally like fly up the hill and then sort of jog back down and fly up the hill. Well, you know, I adjusted assuming that I'd have the similar response as other exercise where I would adjust the insulin and whatever, man, I was high, <laughs> and then I was like, what the hell? you know, but adrenaline, you know, research adrenaline is kind of a component there to consider the weightlifters that I work with, tend to find that they need to dose insulin before a heavy lifting session. Mm -hmm. They might need to take a unit of bolus insulin. They may need to do a temporary basal increase, Um, those kinds of things. So exercise isn't a simple take your pump off and go and exercise. That's That's, not it.
0: That's the do not not die advice. That's advice that won't kill you. It's definitely not going to help you, right? Right. Yeah.
1: Uh, Exactly.
0: And the example that I use over and over again in my talks in here is the idea of Arden showing up for basketball at a great blood sugar and then running around, which makes you think blood sugar would fall, but then it would go up. And then we figured out that she was competitive and she wanted to win the basketball game. So her, her adrenaline spiked up.
1: And difference there you probably found from her game to her practices. Yes. Which is very common for any athlete who is in a competitive anything. I mean, I found that with my running races. I could go out for my nice runs and for my training and have great management, knew what I was doing. Some of my first 5Ks, man, I was astounded at the rise in blood sugar as soon as I got in the car to head out. Yeah. Well- it was was like a drift off. It
0: was like and, and for people who play competitive sports or have been around it, this this might make sense to you. My son always um, echoes this back to me that it's true. He said it's kind of impossible. They always tell you to practice like you play. And he said it's kind of impossible to do because when you're practicing, the game's not there. like right? like there's these the same intensity's not there, the same desires not there. you can't you can't duplicate the feeling. A feeling like you're going to lose or oh. let someone down or lose your spot on the field or some, something like that. He's like, you can't, you can't make that up in your head while you're practicing. No. So your, your insulin needs will be different because your brain is thinking differently about what you're doing. It's very, yeah. It's very
1: interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So those are, you know, all, even the time of day. For exercise could make a very big difference for how you strategize adjustment. I know my morning adjustment for exercise is very different than my mid to late afternoon or evening exercise. Okay, very different just based on again the sensitivity and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So
0: and Arden, uh, as an example, closes her eyes to go to sleep and her blood sugar goes down. It happens almost instantaneously. So it's yeah. not it's not a huge drop, but. That girl goes to sleep and the, ang- I don't know what you would call it, the day, life, right? The anxiety and knowing it's you need like to do things. It's just like a release of. Yeah. She relaxes. And when she relaxes, her body's not forcing her blood sugar up in the same way. And it starts to drift down. So yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right.
0: Jenny, what's on that list now? Actress? So the
1: next one, again, of the three, the third one was the food. Food. Right? And we think, okay. And we talked about this in one of our other, you know, just master carb counting and you've got it like figured out. You've got it totally nailed. You'll be clear and beautiful post-meal blood sugars, right? Well, again, I kind of, it kind of takes into consideration type, Mm. amount, combination of food, what went into the meal. If you sit down and you eat like, you know, a three cup jar of peanuts versus a three cup plate of white rice, Carbs are there in both pictures. The coverage of them, however, is very different. So those variables that kind of come in with food, we know now, thankfully, in the past, I would say 5D, maybe even 10 years, we've become much more aware and educating people a little bit better about it's not just carbs. It is the fat. It is the potential protein. And with some of the I say newer, they're not technically new. They just have gotten a lot more media is things like the paleo kind of diet or the keto diet, mm. those kinds of pa- plans or, you know, eating habits, they require you to figure out the impact of the food yeah. in a different way than just carbohydrate. I, so.
0: I, I know, I think I've said here before, but I was with a person eating no carb at a meal and we went into a restaurant, sat down, hi Vicky, Vicky ate food. I feel like we sat there for a half an hour and talked. We got in the car, we're driving away, and she pulled out her PDM for her Omnipod and gave herself insulin. And I was like, what was that for? And she goes, the protein's going to hit me soon. I was like, that's amazing. I don't think she ate one carb while we were where we were. So Mm -hmm. um, different ways to wrap your head around different things. And I have it, you know, again, I just, this is fresh in my head because I just got back from a talk, but there's a slide that goes up that says all carbs are not created equal. Like you have to, uh, you have Touch to believe, a good slide. Right, right? You have to believe that 10 unit, you know, 10 units, oh boy, I cannot talk about grams, 10 grams of rice and 10 grams of watermelon or grapes are not going to impact you in the same way or for the same amount of time. And right. if you don't know that, then you'll struggle. You know you can't Absolutely. you can't just you can't just count your carbs, put your insulin, and in, eat your food and go away. If it worked like that, well then diabetes it would be, would be easier, and this podcast right? or probably wouldn't eat this podcast. Would it so. be purposeful? That's exactly
1: right. <laughs> well, and then the other factors, you know, that will kind of I'll touch on as we sort of go on here, but factors of food impact. You may get many of your common things figured out. As I think I said in one of the previous ones, you know, if you figure out. The 20, 25 most common foods, meals, things that you eat, that's like 80% of your management. If you kind of nail those, figure them out from the protein, carb, fat impact, awesome. But then we bring in all of these other potential variables. Like you mentioned initially, you know, um, the menstrual cycle Mm -hmm. for women. Well, you may have all those wonderful things figured out. And then in comes the three to seven days before your period is supposed to start. And if you haven't been told that there is an impact on blood sugar and you just think that, gosh, it must be my insulin or it's a bad site or something crazy is going on, you get really annoyed and confused. And for women, that could happen every single month that you're getting annoyed and confused. And unless you start to track things, you'll remain annoyed and confused.
0: (laughs) I try so hard to tell people, I, I, I don't want you to, I don't want you to completely forget about the possibility that your insulin went bad or that your infusion site suddenly stopped working. but if your blood sugar was 80 all day and then all of a sudden it jumps to 150 and it won't move, it's probably not your insulin you know but you see so many people um, they hyper focus on the physical things they think they can see that they that mm-hmm. they can they can believe might be the reason. Right. And um, I, you have to be able to kind of look back a little bit and say, okay, it doesn't make any sense that my blood sugar was doing, doing what I expected it to do, suddenly didn't. Why am I thinking the pump's at fault? Like, why am I thinking the insulin's at fault? That insulin's been working for a day and a half, you know, right. or that vial's been working for two weeks or whatever it ends up mm-hmm. being. Uh, you really sometimes just have to think, it's probably the stuff I can't see. And then I right. think, and then I always think too- and then don't spend too much time on it. Bring it down. Just address and, it. Yeah. And here's a great variable. Say your cannula is loose and you're leaking and you're not getting as much insulin as you believe when you push the button. Still in the end, the answer is you're not getting enough insulin. The reason is mechanical, but the idea is still the same. If you were getting enough right. insulin, your blood sugar wouldn't be that high. Correct. Right?
1: Absolutely. Okay. And when we take into consideration, you know, cycle changes, if you start to track things as a woman um, and you do have a cycle and you're not on birth control, that completely, you know, cuts your cycle off entirely and you just don't have it anymore. Um, If you're having a cycle, start to track things because that's a good way to figure out some of that variability that a woman will have has nothing to do with the male at all diabetes management strategy. So if you're a woman listening (laughs) and you're within the time period of potentially having a cycle and you're not postmenopausal or anything, start to track your cycles and evaluate. Usually for most people, they see a rise prior to their cycle starting. Mm -hmm. As soon as their cycle starts, usually needs dip back down um, up until about ovulation for women can be anywhere between day 11 and day like 18, give or take. Um, that could be another rise in hormones. Um, it's usually shorter. It's only about two or three days. And then things kind of drift back down again, typically before um, that three to, let's say, five days before your period starts again. Right. So we have this continual roller coaster of hormones through the course of a month. And if nobody's kind of cued you in to pay attention to it, you may just feel like there are variables that you just don't know what's happening.
0: Right, it just seems random if you don't, it seems if, you're random. Not, if you're not aware that that's an impact. And there, by the way, there are fantastic, um, I happen to know, uh, trackers, like different apps you can get for your phone to track your period with. It's, um, it was only uncomfortable. I use
1: period tracker.
0: There you go. And it was only uncomfortable for me. Like the third time I asked Arden, can I see the app that tracks your period real quick? Um, you know, she, then she was like, oh, okay, take it. Uh, (laughs) but it really is spectacular. And in the end, again, you need more insulin, you need less insulin, you need the regular amount of insulin. It, you know, once you recognize that it's happening, and you don't spend a day and a half wringing your hands wondering what's going on, and you just right. stay fluid and do what it asks, then right. then then it's not a burden anymore. It's just, I need more insulin. But our brains get stuck. You know, you and I talked mm-hmm. about this before we started recording, but... um, Arden's looping now, and I'm seeing with her basal that how much more basal insulin the loop can use. And I thought back to when I used, you know, I had Arden's uh, basal before the loop set up at like 1.4 an hour, and to double it to 2.8 to me seemed like all the insulin in the world. And now I'm seeing the loop do it to sometimes four or five, six units, and not for a full hour, but it's still it's. I realized I was stuck in the number, the idea of the number, and that can happen to you too when your when mm-hmm. your period pushes up your insulin needs. And you think that's crazy. You know, on most days I use 20 units all day between basil and Bolus. 40 is going to kill me. Well, it's not that day because your needs are different.
1: She needed it. That's right. It. Right. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely. And that I think you bring in too, you know, uh, you lightly touched on like the site or the pump or, you know, those as being variables, but they certainly are. I mean, you have to know when to definitely address it as a potential site issue uh, you know if you're in the time period of let's say your month or you're a man and you shouldn't have hormone issues and you've got you've been floating along beautiful for you know weeks and weeks and weeks and now all of a sudden you've got this like high blood sugar you know you're usually up to like 140 maybe after your breakfast and now you're at like 300 clearly that's not normal if another variable isn't there right right So, you know, you address things, you say, I'm high, let's address the high, but why is it happening as well? Mm -hmm. Could it be the site, check your site, you know, those kinds of things. Um, Could it be the insulin? Think about, you know, if it's a brand new vial, probably not. But if it's a vial that's getting close to that, like, end of life, like it's almost empty or you've, you know, you don't use very much insulin. So you're getting to kind of that 30-ish days, especially this time of the year and through like fall where if you keep your open vial of insulin out of the refrigerator, temperature changes will affect insulin. Mm-hmm. So it's really an important piece to consider. maybe you just need to change the insulin out. Um, so those as you know potential site issues, the other site issues would be the site itself. Have you used this site over and over and over and over, and finally it's gotten to the point of just, you can't use me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: when you switch to a new site, expect that it's possible that you need less insulin than you needed prior on the old site Correct. because maybe that site's working better. And Correct. And for all my talk about don't beat yourself up about it, it's probably the pump, it's probably the pump. Once you decide it's your it's your site. it's you know it's the pump. And nobody bails on a pump site faster than me once I believe it's the site. You know, I'm like, okay, right. off gone. And and that's that. Um, you know, and you if you're newer to this, by the way, this all seems I, I try to bring this up once in a while. Talking about things on the podcast is an exploded view, right? Like you're really stretching things out to see in your regular life, it's not going to take the last five minutes that Jenny and I talked about this for you to make that decision. Um, you know, you've know, you heard me say before like about CGMs, people are like, how do you know how you can trust your CGM? I'm like, you can tell. And they're like, what do you mean? Like Sometimes it's 30 points off, which by the way, you know, 30 points off a 10-year-old meter, I don't know why we're believed in the meter before we believe in the CGM, but n- neither here nor there. My point is, is that after you have some experience with this for a while, you know what's real and what's a ghost, you know? And you can, you can look and say to yourself, all right, this is clearly the site, this is going. You can look at your CGM and say, I don't think it's possible my blood sugar's been 83 for six hours. Maybe I ought to use my meter to see if that's right. And those decisions become very easy over time. The Remastered Diabetes Pro Tip Series is sponsored by Ascensia Diabetes, makers of the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter, and they have a unique offer just for listeners of the Juicebox podcast. If you're new to Contour, you can get a free Contour Next Gen Starter Kit by visiting this special link, contournext.com forward slash juiceboxfreemeter. When you use my link, you're going to get the same accurate meter that my daughter carries. contournext.com forward slash juiceboxfreemeter. Head there right now and get yourself the starter kit. This free kit includes the Contour Next Gen Meter, 10 test strips, 10 lancets, a lancing device, control solution, and a carry case. But most importantly, it includes an incredibly accurate and easy-to-use blood glucose meter. This Contour Meter has a bright light for nighttime viewing, an easy-to-read screen. It fits well in your hand and features second-chance sampling, which can help you to avoid wasting strips. Every one of you has a blood glucose meter. You deserve an accurate one. ContourNext.com forward slash juice box free meter to get your absolutely free Contour Next Gen starter kit sent right to your door. When it's time to get more strips, you can use my link and save time and money buying your Contour Next products from the convenience of your home. It's completely possible that you will pay less out-of-pocket in cash for your Contour Strips than you're paying now through your insurance. ContourNext.com forward slash juice box free meter. Go get yourself a free starter kit. While supplies last, U.S. residents only. Touched by Type 1 has the back of people living with Type 1 diabetes. Take, for instance, their D-Box program. Touched by Type 1 knows firsthand the intricacies of living with type 1 diabetes. And so their team has created a D-Box, which is a starter kit that provides important resources and supportive materials to individuals with diabetes. They want you to thrive. The D-Box is completely free and available to newly diagnosed people. All you have to do is go to touchedbytype1.org, go to the Programs tab, and click on D-Box. While you're there, check out all the other resources and programs available at Touched by Type 1. Dot org. Speaking of support, touched by type1.org is available in English and Spanish. Don't forget to find them on Facebook and Instagram too. You do not want to miss what Touched by Type 1 is doing. When you have diabetes and use insulin, low blood sugar can happen when you don't expect it. Gvoke Hypopen is a ready-to-use glucagon option that can treat very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Find out more go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. G-Voke shouldn't be used in patients with theochromocytoma or insulinoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk.
1: You know, another one that um, this time of the year in consideration of like insulin and viability and all that stuff, another one that a lot of people don't realize is this time of the year could for many people bring in the variable of allergy? Oh, okay. How would so, right?
0: Just the, because, that, because that's almost an infection.
1: It yeah, it causes kind of like that histamine reaction in yeah. the body, which causes an inflammatory response. You right. know, that's the reason you get all phlegmy and, you know, boogery yeah. eyed and like you know, whatever is coming your, out of your Your body you know? trying
0: desperately to push out the dust.
1: Push out the nastiness. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, unfortunately, my husband has nasty allergies in this time of the year. He's just like full of sneezing and like runny eyes and, you know, that kind of stuff. And it stinks. But when you consider diabetes, insulin needs with this as a a stressor on Mm -hmm. the body. And we talk about stress as a variable too. Um, Allergies could be a, a stress variable. And so your insulin needs may very well go up in this time of the year. Um, because of that type of you know setting. Now, if you use some medications to help deal with the allergies, it's always important um, as a medication kind of component or variable. Check the label or ask the doctor. Mm-hmm. Make sure any of those medications that you may take for um, you know an allergy won't necessarily have impact on blood sugar. Some of them have a steroid base to them, um, and steroids, as we know, will usually raise blood sugars as well. So you could have kind of double impact then medication impacting as well as the allergy itself impacting.
0: Do you, do you have pain on your list?
1: Pain would yeah. be another stressor within that like kind of body sort of, yeah, yeah I absolutely. think it's something
0: people don't think about, but I've seen it happen so many times that you can't not trust. I saw Arden get hit in the knee with a softball once and her blood sugar immediately started going up and stayed up F- state her insulin needs remained high for days while the pain in her knee subsided, and it yep. was a significant pain um, yeah. and so let me ask you if I have a headache, would that push up my blood sugar
1: it could if it's a if it's a bad enough headache, especially those who may have like migraine okay. issues, absolutely it could be a variable um, sometimes too, you know with that as as effect sometimes if you notice the rise in blood sugar, you take medication to offset. The pain itself. Mm -hmm. If the pain isn't felt anymore, blood sugars should or could very well come down. And so you do have to be kind of cautious with the adjustment in insulin. If you're doing something to cover the pain, you may find that correcting the high blood sugar drives it down more than you expected because you're not feeling the pain anymore.
0: So funny. My next question was going to be to you. Say I'm in a road rage situation and because I'm all dialed into my diabetes and I've got a Dexcom, I see my blood sugar goes from 80 to 140. I don't want a bolus right away, right? Because my basal, because that, that burst of adrenaline is going to go away quickly and then my basal, is going, to, my basal is going to crush that number again, most likely.
1: Most likely. I mean, and basil is never meant to essentially bring blood sugar down, but once the stressor is gone like that, a quick impact kind of thing typically your blood sugar should start kind of coming back down. And if it doesn't, it just means obviously that you are thinking about it and continuing to like dwell on the problem, right?
0: You have extra road rage is what I'm saying. You have
1: extra road rage, (laughs) exactly. You go home and you tell every neighbor about what happened on the way home and you you continue to perpetuate the issue. Then go ahead
0: and bowl us for it.
1: (laughs) Then bowl us for it, exactly. Yes, exactly.
0: Is a quick burst of adrenaline the same as a lollipop? in that it does mm. it does hit you, but that it, it can't sustain the rise. Is that a yeah. similar idea?
1: It kind of similar idea. It's yeah. kind of a good way to Do, um you know how
0: some you know how doctors used to, and I I'm sort of against the idea of talking about free foods. I don't I don't really think there's free foods in general. But right. but I have seen it with Arden and I've always wondered is the fact that like she put a lollipop in her mouth and her blood sugar went up a little bit and came down, is that because a lollipop is a quick hit that goes away? Is it a free food? Or is it because I've got the balance of her insulin so wrong that it's able to handle carbs I haven't... Like, I used to think about that when she was younger. Like, am I really... Like, did that really not have an impact? Or, like... You know how we talk about if... You know, I was explaining to people this week, and I said, "Look, you have to pre bolus you you can't be scared of it like insulin works the way it works. it does not work the minute you put it into your body. If you pre bolus and two minutes later your blood sugar starts falling, the pre bolus did not magically start working. You probably you were did something already. yes, you were falling already or you did something hours ago that is impacting you now that you're unaware of um and I always wondered about that like when we'd give Arden like little bits of candy am i just, was I just premature like?" Was I just holding up a low that was coming anyway?
1: Could be the factor. And that's also, it kind of brings up a good point. Well, it's not really a variable, but it might be if you consider it. um, Lows. When you treat a low, we we recommend treating with simple sugar, Right. right? When you treat with simple sugar, that simple sugar is really its potential impact should last an hour to 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. And thus the age-old recommendation, if you have a low blood sugar, treat it. It comes back up. If you're not going to be eating a meal or a snack within the next two hours, treat or follow up that carb sugar with a snack that includes protein. Mm-hmm. And the reason was to sustain the blood sugar then because that quick glucose, like you just said, it goes in, it does its job, it gets things up, but eventually the basil that's there that's supposed to be right, Overpowers that sugar, it, it will overpower. There's not enough left, yeah. really, if it's working the way that it's supposed to. So yeah, absolutely. Adrenaline and a lollipop. That's
0: <laughs> so, the, so the number's not really the power without the... When it's just a simple sugar, you have to give it a protein or a fat to actually add the, the weight to that number that, so the number. Or
1: something slower digesting, you know, if you consider something like, you know, quinoa or like a piece of sprouted grain bread or, you know, something longer sustaining, it's got the carbs probably more than the lollipop does, but you're going to get the rise. It's going to be a lot slower, but it's also going to be a lot more sustained.
0: Jenny, you're not from where you live, are you? Like, were you born where you live? Like, Jenny's like a Midwest yeah, was, girl. Like, were, are yeah. you from the Midwest? And still, you said. And still, you yeah. said quinoa as an example of a. Of, that was really interesting. <laughs> Oh, that took yes. me by surprise i was like oh look at fancy jenny must have been born somewhere else and then moved where she lives <laughs> oh no not at all
1: i'm just you know i am a dietitian. oh, so.
0: oh okay see all I ha- of the fancy foods i guess should know
1: about right I,
0: I haven't i haven't read your bio in a while uh, don't worry I, I just i usually do it before the episodes <laughs> when i'm putting the episodes together uh no, that, that just right. your quinoa got me by surprise if this was a regular episode <laughs> i would totally title this episode quinoa just so you know um
1: <laughs> that's funny
0: so many people so many people came up to me this weekend and said can you put any more effort into making the titles match what the episodes are about and I was like no probably not just listen you'll figure
1: <laughs> you could title it the variable of quinoa that might be kind of
0: funny. <laughs> anyway I'm sorry I gotta get you off a of track what, what's next on your list
1: the weather as we consider temperature changes, I've got you know so many people, and I notice myself, I've got a really good friend who notices as soon as March hits. And, you know, here in the Midwest, March may or may not be warmer mm-hmm. um, than the winter has been. But she's like, as soon as March hits, it's like a switch in her body goes off, and it's like, it's spring. Hey – Let's dial down the insulin needs. And she literally has about a 20% decrease in her basal needs from March all the way through like, you know, October-ish when it starts getting a little bit cooler out.
0: Is that an across-the-board rule?
1: For the most part, the warmer the weather, the more um, and the more time you might spend in the actual warmth of the warm weather. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what does warm weather do? It increases the, like... Your body needs to cool itself off. And so your vessels come closer to the surface of the skin, so you can cool yourself by sweating a little bit more. That, like, increase in, in the vascular nature of the underlying tissue brings vessels closer to insulin, plus, and you absorb faster.
0: Plus, and this isn't physical, but uh, physical in, in terms of inside of your body, but you probably become more active when it gets warmer, too, right? Right.
1: Absolutely. Do more things. I know myself, I, you know, here and my husband talks about it all the time. He hates the winter weather um, and everything. And he's like, let's just move someplace much warmer all the time so we can always be outside. And quite honestly, if that was the case, I probably would have lower insulin needs throughout the whole year because warm weather comes. I'm consistently at the park with my boys and go and doing my normal exercise. I mean, I don't even consider that exercise. That's just part of our normal daily when it's nice outside. So, yes, we become more active when it's nice enough to be active more often outside. So
0: I think what Jenny's saying is if you're thinking of relocating to a warmer place and you feel like you can't afford it, don't forget to deduct your savings in insulin.
1: Right. There you go. <laughs> you, might
0: exactly. be able, you might be able to afford more rent because of the there insulin you if you just move somewhere warmer. <laughs> Like all the diabetics are going to live in California now.
1: <laughs> right, right. On the opposite of that, you know, the cold weather, you know, you stay inside more, oftentimes, Cold weather means you're eating a little bit heartier food, you know, to kind of sustain and back up or kind of plump up almost. Um, You eat more like stews and things that might be a little bit more protein and fat laden, um, just heavier meals in general. I mean, nobody eats, well, maybe some people do, but nobody eats like a rockin' hot chili dinner in the middle of july summer just yeah there's certain food
0: certain times no no, i I get that you're more sedentary in the in the winter time
1: more sedentary exactly um you may get your exercise but it may be shorter you know the the it's not as light outside anymore in the winter time so all of those kind of things as far as a time of the year allergies weather cold warm they can all be a variable
0: so i have a variable for you is it possible it's more of a question that you maybe you'll just tell me to shut up but um do some of our bodies react differently to cannulas than others like like is does does, is it possible that because you're because that cannula goes in right and it's seen as a foreign body immediately yep. do some people see a third day on an insulin pump less effective but some people can make it longer or shorter because yeah. of that okay
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think that's part of the reason, you know, Omnipod especially did their 72 hour or up to 80 hours of, you know, expiration, essentially three days on the pod, because the studies have actually shown that longer than three days with a, a site, it's starts to impact the absorption at the site. Cuz if you think of the consistent drip 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 and then these big boluses, I mean if you don't use a lot of insulin, it might be 2 units for every bolus, if you are some of the teen guys that I work with who are eating, you know, 100 plus grams of carb per meal and their ratio is a 1 to 3, mm. you've got huge 20 unit boluses going into a site and that site gets it gets saturated. Right. It can only absorb for so long. So some of it may not necessarily be cannula some of it may be how site. long and how much is going in at the site. For the people that are sensitive to different cannulas, though, um, it could be the angle. Some people do much, much better with the angled type of cannula. Mm-hmm. Other people do much better with the 90-degree cannula. Um, I myself found no issue with Omnipod at all. I mean, I was a longtime user before I started looping about a year and a half ago. Right. But once I started looping with my Medtronic pump, I actually found the angled cannulas were horrible for my skin. They did not work. And I found the 90 degree plastic cannula also wasn't something that my system seemed to really like. Whereas the steel cannula that goes in at a 90 degree angle, it's kind of like a thumb tap. You just pop it right in. Right. That's awesome. It is like my go-to set now. It's fabulous. Hey,
0: does T-Slim have um, steel and plastic Options do. because yep. I I see people a lot talk about the um, people who struggle on the T slim move to the steel cannula that sometimes helps.
1: Yep, the, the the one for T slim is called True Steel, and the one for Medtronic is called the Sure T. Okay, they're right. both steel. They both they work lovely. I would say for most people that I've encountered who have um, that cannula kind of issue, yes. And you know, as a variable, those may be things to evaluate and say. I know it's not the darn insulin. I can give an injection with the same bottle of insulin and my blood sugar moves the way that it's supposed to. Mm. Let's change the site. It's not necessarily the site. Um, It could be the cannula. We change the cannula. Magically, things look better. Sometimes we even need to go down in the insulin needs because you're responding better. So
0: I I would like to say at this point that um, when you buy a pump, you're going to get instructions from the pump company about uh, approved sites to use. Keep in mind that the pump company had to get the pump through the FDA process and every site they wanted to test took more time. And that took away time from them getting it to market for you. So had they decide, had they had the luxury of more time, they may have tested more sites and the FDA may have said, Hey, this data proves that you can use it here too. I'm now not saying anything else about that, other than you should consider that. Correct. That's all.
1: Yes, and even some of those approved FDA sites Mm -hmm. don't work for some people at all. Yes,
0: just because they're approved doesn't make them good for you.
1: Doesn't make them good for you. Just because they're not
0: approved doesn't make them not good for you. Always, right. always take into account the photograph on my blog of uh, that Chris Freeman, the Olympic skier, allowed me to use of him wearing his pump on his pectoral. And yep. I believe the man has the same body fat makeup of this metal microphone that's in front of me. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think what and works for you is And many women use that right.
1: site as well, even though they don't technically have – they've got pectoral muscles. They're just hidden underneath a breast. So.
0: I, I love when someone shares – like a cleavage picture with their pump on them. And I show, I show it to my daughter and she's like, never, never. And I'm like, okay, I'm just saying this lady says it works really great. She's, right. like, get away. she's like, get away from me. Right, <laughs> right.
1: Again, all those variables to right. definitely consider. I mean, we're talking about location here. I actually had location for a different reason being a variable. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> location um, being like travel. Travel is a variable. If you notice um, changes in your blood sugar when you are flying or traveling long distance, we usually find that over two hours of sedentary travel will usually require more insulin Mm -hmm. because of the sedentary nature and the potential bit of stress that travel brings in.
0: We. On a three-hour flight, we always have to bolus Arden two hours into a three-hour flight. I never thought of it before, but it's constantly that.
1: Yep, yep. So I personally have found that I use about a 20% basal increase when I fly. I get to the airport, I turn the temp basal on so that by the time we get on the plane, it's already like circulating at a higher level. I continue it until we um, get the notice of descent, Mm -hmm. and then I cancel it. Um, And that works really well for me. I do the same thing on long travel. And when we lived in D.C. and we would drive back to the Midwest to visit family, uh, that's a long drive, lots of sedentary, sitting in a car, the stress of driving on the road and everything, I would need a temp basal increase for that. So travel in and of itself can be a variable for those on tubed pump. The variable could be the pressurization in flight. Uh, Many people find, um, and there's actually some really good, um, I guess, blogs on what people found with a tubed pump in flight. Uh, Mm -hmm. So the recommendation now is to disconnect before ascent, check the tubing once you're at cruising altitude, check if there are any bubbles, purge them out with a priming bolus and then reconnect. Um, Same thing for descent, disconnect once you land, look at the tubing, clear the bubbles if there are any. Some people have noticed that they get a bit of insulin bolus that won't show up in the pump because of pressurization of the pump and the reservoir and everything. Okay. Some people find that they've got this huge air bubble in their tubing. And so if they didn't look at it, they would get a huge missed amount of potential basal or bolus the next time their pump pumps out.
0: And that's something with the change of ev- elevation.
1: Yeah. Like it the, has to do with the pressure pressurization within, you know, the cabin. And unfortunately there's not a lot of, um, in fact, there's nothing that I've seen in any of the tubed pump companies that they talk about doing that, but it's something that we know is common to happen. And so on Omnipod, obviously there is no tubing. I've had a random couple of people who've noticed that in flight, they have these lows having not bolused, having not done anything different, having Mm -hmm. sat at the airport for like an hour or two before their flight took off. Again, no boluses or anything, and they are low through the course of the flight. So, I, potentially, I guess it could happen even without the tubing component there. I mean, the pods still have a reservoir, but I've really primarily heard it with tubed pumps.
0: I always wonder about you, some people get like, like we all, most people have the same reaction, right? Nervous, upset, adrenaline, blood sugar goes up. But you do see sometimes like people have the complete opposite. Reaction that you expect from them, and it's that's their norm, right? Or yeah. like here, here's one. How come when Arden has a head cold, it's like she doesn't have diabetes anymore? You, and other people say, when I'm sick, my blood sugar goes through the roof. Arden gets sick, her blood sugar goes to eighty and sits there for days. It's fascinating, yeah. right? And it's just so the other variability that we haven't spoken about yet is you, it's right? You, right? So your response, yeah, your response to all of these things. So, you know, the variables may treat you differently than other things.
1: Similarly, I have uh, my friend um, who I have done races with in the past, not recently, but she actually has a considerable drop in her blood sugar once she gets to the race day. Okay. That's it. She doesn't have that adrenaline spike. She has the opposite. I mean, there's adrenaline there, but whatever reason it's causing her to drop.
0: Yeah. And so for Jenny's friend, the, the point here is, don't say, well, I heard on a podcast that, you know, when adrenaline hits, your blood sugar goes up. And everybody online says it, but mine goes down. Don't, don't bang your head against the wall. Just accept that that's what happens to you and address it accordingly. Correct. That's, there we go.
1: Exactly. Yes, exactly. The other travel one was Altitude many people don't consider altitude. Um, And if you are someone who goes to Colorado skiing or somewhere fancy in Europe and you go skiing or whatever you do, Mm -hmm. you could notice that going to altitude. I noticed it when my husband and I took a trip to um, Peru and we hiked the Inca Trail, which is, um, we got to Cusco and we were like, oh my God, can we just sleep? The it, Like the altitude was like crazy. We felt like we had never exercised before. Right. Um, and my insulin needs go up about 30% for about 24 to 36 hours once I get to altitude. And then... They come back down. It's like my body just needs this like adjustment period, and then it kind of comes back, you know, to my normal. But that's a pretty common one to consider. Yeah,
0: and and that is incredibly common. And even though it is incredibly common, there are three people that I know of right now listening to this that are thinking, I, I it's the complete opposite of what happens to them. I I correspond with people who live in Colorado and are afraid they're going to die because their insulin just crushes them they use the tiniest bit and it their blood sugars falling constantly they don't know why pumps injected doesn't matter they just the the elevation that altitude just it, it wrecks them so yeah that's their that's their normal you know
1: that's, that's their normal that's much. right absolutely so you know all those i guess all those things to consider um, you know they're all there are lots and lots and lots of variables what else is on my list i have
0: Jenny prepared for you, people. I hope you appreciate that. I never I prepared, did. so
1: I did just because I was like, "Gosh, there are so many of them. I need to like make sure I get the primary ones that I, I appreciate talk it. to people about considering." You know, um, a, a variable I know we've talked about previously when we're talking about like being bold with insulin mm-hmm. is high blood sugar itself. Like extreme high blood sugar can be a variable in how you expect your body to respond to insulin. Typically when blood sugars are higher than about like that 250 mark, which, hmm, hmm, you know, they recommend testing ketones anytime you're higher than 252, right? Right. So along with that comes the consideration, you've got it all like squared away, you know, your basal, you know, your sensitivity to boluses to correct blood sugars, your carb ratio is all dialed in, and you feel like things are working and wham, you're high now. And you take your correction and you're like, well, that looks like I put water in my body and it did literally nothing right. for yeah. my blood sugar. So we've got this like, like this toxic state, almost like they actually call it glucose toxicity that comes into play when you've got extreme high blood sugars where you'll need more insulin than your sensitivity factor would normally cover.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's what people commonly say um, I'm insulin resistant when I'm high. That's the com- yeah. that's the common way that people talk about it. So if you have that feeling in your head, this is what Jenny's talking about. Now, from my um, very non-scientific perspective, I learned years ago, and we've been talking about it here forever, that bringing a high blood sugar down and coming in for that landing that you're hoping for and not a crash, right? It You have to, in my opinion, it's a mix of basal and bolus. And like, yeah, Jack, you don't just... If you're thinking... In my mind, if you're thinking it's two units to get this 300 back to 100, I like to find a good portion of that insulin from basal. And I don't know why that makes more of a difference, but it certainly does. So
1: It's also a, um, I call it a, let's say a safer way to also manage potentially, because if you've got a temp basal increase going along with a part of a bolus that you've uh, used to address that higher blood sugar... The basal can be canceled.
0: Right. You can always bail on the basal. Can- once on the basil. you see the
1: movement that you want, you can bail on the temp basal. Yeah. Whereas if you've taken your rage bolus and you're like, it's telling me I only need two units. Man, I'm going to nail it. I'm going to get it down with like eight units. And you <laughs> like nail it. Well, once it's there, yeah. you can't get rid of that yeah. eight units. Yeah. It's, you know, whereas... You better know, believe
0: whereas, you just pre-bolus for your next meal and you better eat it at the right time. <laughs>
1: that's exactly right. So, you know, if you do some of it as bolus, like you said, and some of it as this temp basal insulin... You can cancel that temp. Yeah. You may need to cover a little bit, but at least you're going to drift down better without a huge crash.
0: You can also. You can also cancel it and go back to it, which I found myself doing before. Right, you're, you know, three hundred. It's now it's two eighty, it's two fifty, and then you're like, oh my gosh, it's two hours down. I'm just shutting the basal off. Then all of a sudden, two twenty, and it levels out. You're like, oh, should have left the basal on, and you put it back on again. But at least you're in control of it to a degree, right? right? And you and you didn't just put in this giant like you know mallet full of insulin that you can't stop. It's already exactly. hit you. It's hit you, and you're done with it. Yeah. I want to say too, and this maybe doesn't fit here, but. When you find yourself in those situations, I think it's incredibly valuable that when you cause that fall, that that descent in blood sugar, and you have to eat some food to stop it at some point. I know everybody thinks of that as like some failure, but there's so much to learn from watching the food go in and watching how it affects your blood sugar on the CGM that that, that experience of stopping a drop like that will inform a lot of what you do in the future. Because just like you can see, oh, wow, I was 150, two arrows down, so I ate this, and I came in at 80. That knowledge, and I can't really explain to you how in the moment right now how in this example, but it will inform your understanding, your greater understanding in a way that will help you in the future. It's absolutely very neat to see how the food affects the insulin.
1: I Actually, it's so awesome. Yesterday I talked to somebody who – She works very hard, you know, with strategy management. We knew something was kind of going on in the evening for her. So we said, let's do like an evening basal test. Let's see what's happening truly behind dinner without the dinner, you know, being Mm -hmm. there. So she did this awesome basal test. We saw the drift happen that we kind of assumed was from basal. We, you know, could counter it. But she ended up having to treat the drift down and she didn't want to eat at 10 o'clock at night. So she just treated the low. She had three glucose tablets to treat it. And she thought, you know, all we're getting out of this is the basal test. So we know where to change things. Yeah. You know what? Um, so we could actually get the evaluation of what the carb intake she did. Right. How much of a rise did she get with it? from it because there was no other food. There was nothing. I mean, the only other food she had in her system was from lunchtime at noon. At 10 o'clock at night, there is no impact of that whatsoever. She had no exercise. We treated the low. It came up. We saw how much she could use and I pointed out, and she's like, wow, we got like more done than I thought we got done. She was so excited that she could actually see, and it was simple sugar, right? Yeah. So she didn't treat with something that had the fat or the protein that would have later potential impact that you couldn't figure out. It was just glucose tablet. Mm-hmm.
0: Nah, so, there's so much to learn, you could if, learn. You, if you just step back a little and widen your vision. And and you know and you have to get rid of that I failed or this is a mistake or a problem feeling. It's just data coming back. Like look at it and really accept what it is instead of being upset with yourself because right. it, you can't. You, because I said it this you know I say it a lot, but this weekend I was really pointed with a pretty large group. I said every time something goes the way you don't want it to go, and you don't use that as a as a, as a moment to collect the data and make decisions and 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 further your understanding. You wasted that moment, and you're going to have to have it again now because you didn't pay attention to what happened. It's just like, I mean, what's the saying, right? Uh, something about history doomed to repeat it, right? I don't know the exact saying. Right. right. All of you who know it now are repeating it in your head in your car. But that's the idea. The idea is it's happening. Learn from it. Don't just wring your hands and go, oh, I can't believe that happened. That sucks. I'm bad at this. You know,
1: right. this isn't fair,
0: <laughs> right. blah, blah, blah. All that's true, but it isn't going to help you the next time. So right cool Jenny keep you got anything else I mean we're uh, yeah
1: I had two other one was something that I think is not addressed usually not addressed at all unfortunately okay. health factors I guess that we don't really want people you know doing really it's things like smoking okay if you're a smoker I'm sorry but you know what? Smoking can have impact on, on, on blood sugar and some of the research that's out there can actually show that smoking can have impact by causing some insulin resistance because smoking is, it, it's suggesting an inflammatory response within the lungs. Oh, that makes sense. So could have impact blood sugar wise. The other one would be drugs drugs can have impact potentially on your diabetes management um, you know depending on the kind of drug that you're using so Jenny
0: you're telling me that if I'm sitting at home really trying to figure out my insulin problems and I'm not taking into account my heroin addiction <laughs> I'm making I'm leaving something out that's important to think about absolutely right which yes. which might yeah. be which might be reasonable like there, I think that people compartmentalize their thoughts sometimes and you really sometimes don't see where the impact is actually coming from
1: and as a variable you may not be considering all of the things you could be doing for your diabetes management if you are utilizing a drug and it's it's really your main like focus Right. Because diabetes isn't going to be a focus. for Exactly. You
0: then. Are you going to say drinking next? Because I have one I want to yes. ask about. Go ahead. Say drinking. Alcohol. Uh-huh.
1: Yep. Alcohol itself. Drinking. It's a big one that I discuss with, you know, my teens in my college um, because it comes into the picture. It does. Um, learning how to do it safely uh, is an important thing because the impact of the alcohol itself. You may have your Fancy sugar you know juice sweetened beverage, the alcohol in it, however, is going to have impact later on your blood sugar. So what we find is that hours later, if you 've had enough alcohol, it could cause a drop in your blood sugar
0: and and not for nothing, but when you 're really loaded you 're probably not doing your diabetes math as well as you probably could be, uh, so is it fair to say maybe have a buddy with you, explain to them. Like, you don't just need a um, a sober driver, you might need a sober uh basal tester, too. Exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah, so now
0: these things just made me think of uh, because I just did an interview with somebody who's like clinically depressed and has type one, and to watch the cycle of how it hit this person over and over again was just like it's crushing, you know, to see, but for them to have to live with. So now I'm thinking. If I'm on a depression medication, is that affecting my blood sugar? Is it making my blood sugar higher, giving me anxiety more that it's higher and making me feel more anxious about having to use extra insulin? It, it, yeah. it, and what about just the 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 physiological and maybe you don't know, but experience of being depressed, like does that have an impact on you?
1: It's well, depression is a stress, yeah. right? So, and it could be, it could go various ways if the depression isn't being managed with, um, you know, assistance, whether it's counseling or use counseling and a medication or whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. you know, that in effect could be enough of a stress that it is bringing your blood sugar levels up. Depression can also mean Mm -hmm. that you're just, you're just not eating. So it could very well maybe bring insulin needs down because you're just literally not taking in anything through the course of the day. Now, some of the, some of the medications, some of the oral medications um, will make you feel so much better, which is a purpose, right? Right. That's the purpose. But some of them also increase appetite. If it increases appetite enough and you're not cognizant that that's what's kind of happening and kind of rein that in, Mm -hmm. you could have weight gain that could impact your insulin sensitivity.
0: Okay. I'm going to, Add a thought to this, because I had a conversation with somebody online that told me something I never considered. So this person uh, was overweight, and so Mm -hmm. their, their eating was more than they wanted it to be. And so when they counted their carbs and went to give themselves insulin, they wouldn't give themselves all the insulin they needed because it reminded them that they were eating more than they wanted to be eating. And I know that's a real interest. You have to wrap your head around it for a second. But they were disappointed in themselves for eating that much. And one of the ways they pretended that it wasn't going on was to use an amount of insulin that a more normal meal would have needed. So there's a lot of things. I, I wrote, you know, as we started this conversation today, I wrote down life because the variable really is life. Right, like it's your living, and there are different things happening to you, and whether you're, you know, addicted to drugs, or you're depressed, or you just don't have your basal right, or all the things that Jenny's brought up here today. Really, it's just it's you're alive, and you have diabetes, and so they're going to be variables. Are there any more on your list? You're looking over the only
1: other one was uh, kids growth cycles.
0: Ew, growth hormones.
1: A, and I think, you know, I mean that is a it's a broad topic. So I bring it up as a variable. Mm-hmm. It may need full another discussion potentially, but it is. It's and people ask, you know, I work with a lot of kids, lots of ages. I mean, a little younger than two is my youngest person. And kind of up into like 70s is my oldest. And but the kids have these variables of growth that just drive parents crazy because become, you know, we've got things smoothed out and beautiful. And one of the biggest things I tell people is the needs will change. We'll get them figured out. They'll probably look like they're going along pretty nice. And then, Oh, you know, little Johnny is going to spurt up, you know, a half an inch. And so for the next couple of nights, they may get these, like, like you said, Arden goes to bed and her blood sugar kind of like drops off in a growth spurt. Many kids go to bed as soon as their head hits the pill- pillow and they're snoozing, man, it's like a rocket ship to the moon. Blast off blood sugar.
0: That is the worst part about growth hormone in children is that it happens while you're trying to sleep. Uh, yeah. That really, I have to give Arden her bolus really quickly. Um, this one's going to be easy, though, because Arden's doing the loop right now. 80 carbs, taco. Uh, that's it. Uh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Uh that's it. Time ten minutes from now. Eighty carbs taco time. Change time to ten minutes from now. That isn't going to make sense to you guys yet, but it will one day when uh, Jenny and I talk about that, and uh, and Katie D Simone comes back on it and tells me all the things I did wrong while I was setting up my (laughs) Arden (laughs) Sloop. And how I could have have avoided them. Uh,
1: Yes, that's great because that was like my last little tidbit of a variable, which is a total different discussion. I'm glad you're going to have it with Katie. But you should discuss with her the looping variable. Mm -hmm. Because these all have different if you are using a a looping pump.
0: Oh, Jenny, this is going to come out before I talk to – Katie, and so I'll just tell you now and then. You can, you guys can all hear it now and then. Hear me talk about it later with Katie. Every every thought I had trying to set up the loop was wrong. Like <laughs> like, like let like you know what I mean. Up down left right like everything. If you asked me, you know, yes no, I'd say yes, and you'd be like, no no. It, you know, I send Jenny a text. I'm like, I'm seeing this. Should I move this up? She go no down. I'm like, how do I get that wrong? It's just it's so so all of us. Right now, everybody who's listening, if you're being bold, if you're following along with this podcast, obviously it works fantastic. And there's no, you don't need to change. But if you go to looping at any point in your life or into a closed loop system, the variables, the settings that allow the loop to think are counterintuitive to what we're all doing <laughs> when we're not looping. But I am. Putting myself through this so that I can explain it to you all better, because if you guys want to move to a closed loop in this future, I I think that's not a bad idea. And I want to make sure you understand how to transition from being bold with insulin to being, I don't know, bold with
1: With loop or how to maybe let loop be bold with itself.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's a way. But trust me, I still only understand it about 65%. But by the time I'm done talking to Katie, and by the way, now that Jenny has been kind enough to say that she's going to continue coming on like this, I don't think we'll be putting them out like three at a time, but maybe once a month or as often as Jenny can do it. And trust me, we're going to get to awesome. talking about that as well. So okay. thank you so much for doing this.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: Wherever you are right now, I imagine you applauding for Jenny. Just a, a slow, a deliberate, and lovely clapping. That's how I feel every time she's on. Hey. How about that great news? Jenny's going to keep coming back on the show. The Diabetes Pro Tip series is going to go on into the future. Nonstop Pro Tips just for you guys for listening to the Juicebox podcast. I want to thank Ascensia Diabetes for sponsoring the remastered Diabetes Pro Tip series. Don't forget, you can get a free Contour Next Gen Starter Kit at contournext.com forward slash juiceboxfreemeter while supplies last, US residents only. If you're enjoying the remastered episodes of the Diabetes Pro Tip series from the Juicebox podcast, you have touched by type1 to thank. Touchedbytype1.org is a proud sponsor of the remastering of the Diabetes Pro Tip series. Learn more about them at touchedbytype1.org. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon Find out more about G Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. You spell that G V O K E G L U C A G O N dot com forward slash juicebox. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Now listen, there's 26 episodes in this series. You might not know what each of them are. I'm going to tell you now. Episode 1000 is called Newly Diagnosed or Starting Over. Episode 1001, All About MDI. 1002, All About Insulin. 1003 is called Pre-Bolus. Episode 1004, Temp Basal. 1005, Insulin Pumping. 1006, Mastering a CGM. 1007, Bump and Nudge. 1008, The Perfect Bolus. 1009, Variables. 1,010, Setting Basal Insulin. 1,011, Exercise. 1,012, Fat and Protein. 1,013, Insulin Injury and Surgery. 1,014, Glucagon and Low BGs. In episode 1,015, Jenny and I talk about Emergency Room Protocols. In 1,016, Long-Term Health. 1,017, Bump and Nudge, Part 2. In episode 1,018, Pregnancy, 1019, Explaining Type 1, 1020, Glycemic Index and Load, 1021, Postpartum, 1022, Weight Loss, 1023, Honeymoon, 1024, Female Hormones, and in episode 1025, we talk about transitioning from MDI to pumping. Before I go, I'd like to share two reviews with you of the Diabetes Pro Tip Series, one from an adult and one from a caregiver. I learned so much from the Pro Tips series when our son was diagnosed last summer. It really helped get me through those first few very tough weeks. It wasn't just your explanations of how it all works, which were way better than anything our diabetes educator told us, but something about the way you and Jenny presented everything, even the scary stuff, that reassured me that we could figure out how to deal with this and to teach our son how to deal with it too. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and experience with us. This podcast is a game changer. 25 years as a type 1 diabetic, and only now am I learning some of the basics. Scott brings useful information and presents it in digestible ways. Learning that pre-bolus doesn't just mean bolus before you eat, but means timing your insulin so that it is active as the carbs become active, took me already from a decent 6.5A1C down to a 5.6 in the past 8 months. I've never met Scott, but after listening to hundreds of episodes and joining him in his Facebook group... I consider him a friend. Listening to this podcast and applying it has been the best thing I have done for my health since diagnosis. I genuinely hope that the Diabetes Pro Tip Series is valuable for you and your family. If it is, find me in the private Facebook group and say hello. If you're enjoying the Juice Box podcast, please share it with a friend, a neighbor, your physician, or someone else who you know that might also benefit from the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox podcast. Jenny Smith holds a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and biology from the University of Wisconsin. She's a registered and licensed dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and a certified trainer on most makes and models of insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitoring systems. She's also had type 1 diabetes for over 35 years, and she works at integrateddiabetes.com.
1: If you're interested in hiring Jenny, you can learn more about her
0: at that link.